This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. From HR, finance, and procurement forms to student-facing forms like IEPs and device consent forms, paperless workflows powered by Adobe Sign create digital experiences in schools that make life a little easier for the entire campus community. Okay, welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in ed tech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On today's show, we have a smorgasbord of interesting content and pointers recently posted to eSchool News, uh, including conversations with Janice Pavilonis, uh, who is superintendent at Carbondale Elementary Schools District Number 95 in Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, we talked with her on their ongoing efforts to move through the school year that is still affected by the pandemic. We also have some highlights from a recent webinar where I have a conversation with Dr. Matt Joseph, who is Executive Director of Learning at Providence Public Schools, on how they're building efficiencies through the use of automated forms processing. But before we get to those, a few uh, other pointers to some interesting content posted to eSchool so far this month. As with most everything else, professional development has been driven online during the pandemic, and many are finding out that that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Tim Cannell, education manager at Pitsco, wrote a piece called Six Pillars of Strong Online PD. In that, he lists them off. You want to make sure that you're making the most of an e-learning platform. You want to make sure you're incorporating helpful, downloadable, and interactive resources for teachers. Make the learning simple by presenting concepts in small, digestible pieces that learners can easily build on as they complete a course. You want to make sure that the content is relevant and timely that it employs the engineering design process whenever possible. And finally, that it provides a certificate of completion at the end. All those concepts certainly uh, resonate with a lot of the platforms and technologies that you see that are being pushed on at the student level. I think we're finding that in a meta sense that these things work for uh, helping teachers learn as well. So be sure to go in and, and read the particulars on that piece. I think you'll enjoy it. There are so many other disruptions that are occurring in the education space, but one area where those disruptions are being turned into innovation is in the special education arena. Many students with special needs had an especially hard time being remote, and yet many have also discovered that these tech tools that were forced upon them are actually making their learning experiences even better. Bo Neal, CEO and founder of SYS Education, posted an interesting essay about this topic. I'll read you a snippet. In an appropriate, optimized online education system, the element of otherness or separation can be effectively minimized. Assistive technologies such as text-to-speech, speech-to-text, and video and audio submissions can be embedded into online education systems as effective tools that personalize the learning experience. Because these technologies can be provided to the general population of students, the students who require them feel less isolated and there's less of a stigma attached. Also, in an online structure, 
the student controls what information about themselves is available to the general class. They can share what they want, but beyond that, there's a level of privacy that can be comforting for a student who has had negative experiences with the general population in the past. You know, there are so many lessons being learned through this madness. I feel it's important that we try to document and share them uh, with our audience and with fellow educators, which is why I really enjoyed this recent conversation with Janice Pavilonis. Uh, Janice is a superintendent at Carbondale Elementary Schools, that's district number 95 in Carbondale, Illinois. She shares some of the best practices they have discovered when it comes to social emotional learning, digital equity, and more. Have a listen. Okay, Janice, welcome to Innovations in Education. Thanks so much for taking the time to meet with me. Thanks, Kevin. It's a pleasure. Maybe start off, tell us a little bit about your district. I know it's a new position for you. Uh, congratulations. Uh, give us a sense of, of where you are. Great. Uh, happy to. So, uh, yep, I just took over the superintendent role here in uh, Carbondale Elementary District number 95. So we serve pre-K students through eighth grade. We have about 1,500 students. And here in Carbondale, we are very much in the southern end of Illinois and um, are happy to be home of the Salukis at Southern Illinois University as well. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I say congratulations, but, you know, as it is for every educator and for every administrator right now, it's obviously probably one, one of the most difficult times in your career to, to be working through a major pandemic. I don't think that they uh, talked about that in education college, of how, to, <laughs> how to do that. We're about 20 months in. I've had several conversations with superintendents and, and tech directors, uh, you know, from the beginning and the importance of getting kids connected and the worries about learning loss and worries about academics, but more and more it seems that the primary the primary worry is about the social emotional aspects, the mental health aspects of uh, students, and not only students but teachers as well as uh, parents and, and administrators and everybody. Talk a little bit about where your experience with this, you know, from March of, of 2020 to now, and what you see as important strategies for your districts uh, going forward. Right. So in the very beginning here in Illinois, we um, were sort of told there's no school starting next Monday, just real quick. So for us, the original first thought, uh, like many school districts, was around the academics. How do we ensure kids are still learning? In our district, many of our children don't have internet access at home at that time. And so we really uh, started a grassroots effort of paper, pencil packets, we actually put them in the Kroger stores, the grocery stores, Walmart stores, just everywhere we could find to make sure that children were getting them. We had buses delivering them in town. And so, yes, in the very beginning, was it was much about academics and ensuring that our students weren't losing as much as possible academically. When, you know, summer hit last year and we started to realize that fall wasn't going to look like we a normal school year. Um, we started to worry more about internet access and connecting with our kids, um, meaning making sure that they were online, available to learn. Um, and so I think that's when the social emotional impact really started to become real. So we in our district were remote most of the first semester of last school year. We were able to get internet or uh, sort of cable internet service or satellite internet service in um, our children's homes. We had hotspots being delivered. Students had Chromebooks. We had Chromebook or computer drive-through pickup events. We were delivering them. So very much that first quarter 
of last school year was about making sure that our students had access to learning. We uh, started to come back to school last, the second semester of last year. And that's when the overall impact of learning loss paired with the social emotional needs of our students became evident. Um, you know, we had students who hadn't been around children, other children their age or any children uh, versus children who had been so impacted in the community, they were hanging out every day with all kinds of kids. And so we started to see kids just starting to have trouble getting along. But one of the things that we did notice is that our kids came back with massive technology skills. You know, we had pre-K kids being able to use a mouse on a laptop, right? So I think when we came back around into to school, about 75% of our kids were in person. Some were still at home learning. And so I think from then on, our focus has been around social emotional learning and how does that impact a child's ability to learn and function and be happy and be okay. You know, I could go on. Uh, yeah. But as, you know, as we enter this, uh, you know, we're still unfortunately not back to normal. Right. Uh, I begin in, in my conversations to say, well, you know, what is normal? I mean, what is the new yeah. normal? And you, know, you mentioned some unintended positives, maybe as a result of the pandemic with yeah. uh, you know, technical aspects and, and students being tech savvy. We don't have to worry about teacher resistance anymore, right? To the use right. of video. <laughs> Everyone's right. going to use it whether they like it or not. And other things like just in terms of one-to-one communications with, mm-hmm. with parents or with students, uh, talk a little bit about what sort of technology setups that were put up in an innovative way as a result of the situation would you like to see stick around? You know, there are a couple things that really are just top on that list. And one of those is any type of parent meetings, we were able to connect with families in a deeper way than we ever have before because uh, the child in their home had a computer and internet. And so if we had a special education meeting, parents automatically were available to be to be there because the transportation was no longer an issue. We also had, you know, if someone was at work and, you know, it took less time to get to the school across town and back to work. Um, so just the access, accessibility of parents and families was so much easier and quicker for everyone yeah. involved. We had more participation in uh, student meetings with school personnel than we ever had. I think another part of that is that our teachers had a better understanding of the home environments of our children. Mm-hmm. So they started to know our kids better and they would know, you know, mom would pop in and say, oh, hi, you know, so there was this super positive interaction with our families during this time in a way that that we really hadn't seen before. Yeah. And so I, I assume that you'll want to have that stick around then, right? I mean, uh, will, yeah. will school board meetings be on Zoom or, I mean, how, how is that set up? What, I'm yeah. assuming it'll be both in-person and remote, but those, those technologies you think will still enable people who can't be there in person to follow along? Absolutely. You know, it really started a new conversation about access to a lot of different things. Our school board meetings at the time were live by video conferencing. And so our families across town could could log in. We always record the video of our board meetings. And so even now we continue to have a call-in link so people at home can listen in. Uh, And then we record live as well through video. And then finally, you know, you spoke about uh, before the pandemic, a lot of the families not having access to the internet in your district. And obviously the pandemic has 
exposed that stark reality of inequality uh, in this country and around the world. At the same time, it sounds like you, you solved it to a certain degree, right? And hopefully with the CARES Act funding coming forward, uh, do you, will that be another conversation that we don't have to have anymore about digital equity, at least in your district? <laughs> right, yeah. Right now in our district, we have those resources and, and are very thankful. And I think that the federal funding uh, that allows us to sort of jumpstart that long-term improvement in those ways. Um, I think it, uh, we have a long way to go. I, one of the things I think that's important to note is even though uh, with 1,500 students in you know, we're still considered a rural area in, in Southern Illinois, but we are uh, within the city limits of Carbondale. And so I think one of the benefits is that I can be in the home of any of my children in less than 20 minutes. You know, we have lots of rural areas here and across the country where, you know, a school district's boundaries are hours apart. And so I think for us, access or even like fixing a, a computer, if a Chromebook went down, a tech person literally went to the home, uh, you know, and they could do that all day, every day, and really be able to reach a lot of students. So we have the ability, um, I think it, it helped us see that broader scope of what we could achieve while we're starting to set those systems for long-term sustainability. Well, Janice, I've had very few conversations concerning COVID where I actually came away feeling better <laughs> as a result. Right. Uh, this was one, it sounds like you have a lot of really innovative ideas and strategies going forward there in Carbondale. I think you bring a new energy to, to the district <laughs> in your in new role. And uh, as I say to my wife, now I want to move to your district and, and enroll my kids in your school. Hey, so. we'll, we'll, we can't wait to have you. Let's do Very that. Very good. Well, thanks <laughs> a lot. Thanks you a bet. lot for your time and your insights. You bet. Thank you. And while we all have an obvious focus on the student side during this massive restructuring and automation of school district information systems over the past 20 months or so. The back-end administrative side has been likewise in this extraordinary place of disruption and yet improvement. In a recent webinar on the subject, I had the privilege to moderate a riveting discussion with Matt Joseph, Executive Director of Learning for Providence Public Schools, Shad Magaha, Chief Technology Officer for Wichita Falls ISD in Texas, and Chitra Mithra, director of the Edu Institutions Marketing at Adobe about these transformations. Here is a highlight. So, and, and one of the things I wanted to, to, to share, and when we, in a different example that we haven't really talked about yet, but one of the largest budget items in any school budget is its personnel. Anytime we talk about how many people work in a district, that is the capacity of, of the district for, for work. And as a formal principal, the, the documents that I printed the most were teacher evaluations. And having the opportunity to give feedback was always, we had to print out the document, we had to sit face-to-face, -face, we had to each sign, we had to, and, and it wasn't as efficient where if a teacher had an offsite meeting or a different opportunity where maybe they didn't want to sit in a room or had a third person, their, their mentor join us or a coach. We're able to now utilize this digital technology to both have online meetings, give constant feedback and have these digital signatures ongoing, not just that big aha moment at the end, like, let me see my evaluation. Oh, I'm going to sign it. It's ongoing through the time. And when you're thinking about, I was a principal of a small school, it was only 500 students. And I still had to evaluate about a hundred staff and having these efficiency practices now, not only for 
the, the filing of it, so now we're using digital filing, it also gives an ongoing record. And having digital uh, data allows to, for our educators to show growth over time. So I know we're talking about very, what I would think is static kind of signatures at this point. There's also living signatures where we're signing you know, when we do teacher evaluations, um, we have multiple signatures. We sit down and meet for goals and we're going to digitally sign the, the goals. We do a minimum of three observations or up to five if you're in your first three years. And there's five more digital signatures. If you're a new staff member, we meet at the middle of the year and at the end of the year. Now we got two more. We're almost at 10 times we are meeting with our staff to ask for, for signatures, digital signatures. So I keep going back to the efficiency because one of the things that we always say, if you ask any teacher, besides saying we'd love more money, because we all would, is we want more time. And the way that we get this is having these efficiencies, but not time for time's sake. Going back to my last answer, because the teacher evaluation is about trust too. You're building trust with your evaluator. You're build, building trust when you talk about your goals. Having that trust to use a digital platform that is almost invisible because that's what we really want. As great as it is to talk about the tool, we don't want the tool to be the focus of any meeting or any issue that this happens, it's signed, it's legal, and we move forward. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Innovations in Education. Thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to go onto eSchool News and check out all the resources uh, that have been posted over the past few weeks. Lots of great interviews, lots of great insights, as well as white papers and other materials that can help you do your job. That's why it's important to visit eSchool News every week. It's also free for educators and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News. Once again, this episode is brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Be sure to join us on November 30th, 2 p.m. for our upcoming webinar entitled Back Office Innovations Part 2, How to Build Efficiencies in Data Security and Compliance Through Forms Process Automation.